Ephesians chapter 4. When you find your place, would you stand if you have the ability to do so? I tell you, I, I like them songs. I like the congregational singing, the old hymns of the faith, and then the special music. You know, especially when you start getting on the other side of some of them storms. They just mean so much more. Ephesians chapter 4, and if you would, the next book is Philippians. If you would just put a finger or uh, somehow hold Philippians chapter 4 as well. I'd like to read the bulk of our text this morning from Ephesians 4 and then grab one verse out of Philippians and try to give you what the Lord gave me this morning. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Really hard to do, ain't it? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'll quit, I'll just read, amen. <laughs> Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it? But he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him, in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk, not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and True holiness. Would you look at one more verse with me this morning? It might seem a bit dislocated, but I'll try to draw the connection here in a second. Philippians chapter 4. You know the verse, verse 19. Philippians 4, 19. The Bible says, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Brother Tuttle, would you ask the Lord's help in the preaching this morning?
Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We've spent considerable time in our preaching over the last handful of years trying to exhort you and encourage you, which is one of the jobs of a preacher, to give encouragement, to give comfort. Uh, in First Thessalonians, you learn that that's the job of a nurse. A nurse is to, to comfort And, of course, that's a reference to the preacher, but we've spent a handful of years trying to encourage you, exhort you, and comfort you about the goodness of God. And I don't think there's anyone here this morning that would say, you know, I don't think God's been good. You might not like the situation you're in, but if you look back and see where you could have been, where you would have been if it weren't for Jesus Christ, the Lord sure has been good to you. I mean, amen, you, you and I, we ought to be in hell with our back broke, Amen. No doubt about it. You say, you just like saying that. No, I don't, but I know that's what I deserve. And I know this world wants to teach you that your man is the measure of all things, and you understand that, and that's not the right, the, the, the proper view of myself in relation to Jesus Christ is always negative. That's why when the Lord visited Peter the one time, and, and Peter was in the boat, he told the Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Whenever Jesus Christ shows up, you should feel like a dirt ball. Amen. That's, what, that's how you know if, uh, I guess, uh, preaching is real preaching or not. If you go out of here glowing and you feel just warm and fuzzy and like someone kissed you instead of ripped your face off on occasion, that's not real preaching. But real preaching presents Jesus Christ to the listener and at the end of the sermon you should feel like an absolute dirt ball. But that's not the message. The message this morning, I want you to think for a second... You know how good God is. Philippians chapter 4.19 says, For my God shall supply all your need. And I know, I know the sarcasm that goes with that. Well, He's not going to supply all your greed, and He doesn't. Thank the Lord. Imagine that the Lord lets you have everything you want. You'd be a bigger train wreck than you are right now. Amen? But the fact is, is the Lord doesn't give you all your wants, but He does on occasion give you your wants. And isn't it nice when He does? I mean, uh, every now and then, it's not, uh, it's not in my diet, but every now and then my wife uh, or my daughters will make me a pecan pie. I didn't need it, but I sure did want it. You say they made it because you asked them. Well, that's besides the point. But anyways, but every once in a while, the Lord will give you your wants. Now, let's consider before we get off track and become a charismaniac, Let's consider the context of Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. The context is, My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus, but He's supplying your need because you are giving what you should to the work of the ministry and to missions. So you cannot doctrinally, you can practically apply it because I know the Lord bails us out when we don't do our part. This is not the message either, so you can relax. It's not going to be a double whammy, amen, complaining, and then we're going to kick you about giving. But if you're a Christian tightwad and you don't give, you don't tithe, you don't give to missions, don't claim that verse. (laughs) That went over like a ham at a Jewish wedding, amen. That's the context. We believe in rightly dividing the word of truth, right? Now, if you tithe and you give the mission, so forth and so on, well, grab it, go for it, run with it. That's not the message this morning. 
But would you agree with me this morning that in the Christian life there are certain things that you need? Let me back up and try to practically apply this. Do you remember when you got your first secular job where you actually could make money and they're going to take taxes out? You needed certain things to work there, right? They feel like a good attitude. You had it the first day and after that it was gone. Amen. I'm saying you need like work shoes, non-slip shoes, or you need, uh, if you're typing, they'll eventually require you to probably wear some kind of brace and and, uh, or you need tools of the trade. If you're a mechanic, you need tools. If, you're, uh, you know, if, if, if you work in the woods, you just show up, amen, and it just happens, amen. But you need certain things, and I am looking at this passage in Ephesians chapter 4, and I see there's some things that every Christian needs. And I want to try to give those to you this morning. I'm not going to share. I don't share anything. I don't. I like, you know, that's a buffet is the sign, no sharing. That's a great thing, amen. I say, get your own, amen, get your own plate. And he says, let's share it. No, we're not going to share it. Get your own. <laughs> so I want to give you some things right out of the text, Ephesians chapter 4, that I believe every Christian needs. Okay, all right. Let's just jump right in head first. I was thinking this morning, before I get to preaching, I was thinking, I'm thankful to live in the country. I'm thankful I can look across the, the, the people today here in the sanctuary, and I'm not looking at a bunch of false faces. I'm thankful, I'll go a step further, that I can look out over the, the people here today and, except for a senior moment, name everyone by name. I don't know if you ever thought about some of these larger churches and God would have to give that man a certain amount of grace. Imagine looking over 500 people and not knowing half of them. That'd be a difficult thing. But I'm thankful that the Lord brought you here. And I'm thankful that you're a part of this work. And this message, honestly, is not meant to hurt you. It's meant to help you. And just like you need certain tools for your job that you do right now, there are certain things that you need in the Christian life. And we're going to extract it right from the text. We're not going to put a private spin on it, no private interpretation. And I want you to look here in verse 11. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. The first thing I want you to see this morning, it's real simple. Remember, I'm a country boy. I grew up just five miles from here. Not even five miles. But I didn't really grow up, but I, you know what I'm saying. I came up, so forth and so on. I want you to see, first of all, you need this local church. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And what God gave to the body of Christ, he gave pastors and teachers. The moment you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you became a part of the spiritual church which Jesus Christ is the head. Amen? That is the one body. That's sound doctrine. We believe that. We know that. We can take you to the scriptures, so forth and so on. And that is a blessing to know that you're bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. You're one with him. But just as you became part of the spiritual church, God gave you the opportunity and he gave you the distinct privilege, whether you see it that way or not, to be a part of a local assembly. Think with me now. The moment you trusted Jesus Christ, imagine if you didn't become part of the body until later. Think with me. That's just... That's just that's doctrinally screwed up, isn't it? Okay to say it like that? That's, that's heresy. But you immediately become a part of the spiritual body of Christ. We're one with Him. So likewise on this earth, how people know 
that you're a part of the spiritual body is that you have joined yourself together with a local body. The spiritual body, Jesus Christ is the head. Amen? Amen. That's what the Bible says. In the local church, the pastor is the head. This is not a message where I display and tell you what I think my authority is. Matter of fact, many of you could write papers and dissertations on what the job of a pastor is. You might not be able to tell me what you're supposed to do, but you could tell me what I'm supposed to do. That's funny. You can laugh later. But the point is, is you need this local church. And you and I have been raised in a generation now, this is at least two or three generations, that does not need the local church. Matter of fact, many of us live our lives separated from the local church. And I'm here to remind you through the text that God gave you a pastor and a teacher. They're both one, right? And he gave you a local church. And I'm just here to tell you what most of you already know, but you need this local church. If you get sick, you have to go to see a doctor if you're smart. Amen? If not, you stay home and die. All right. Now... If you're really sick, then you have to go to the hospital, right? And you have to get certain tests done, and they schedule for this test and that test. And, you know, if you're lucky, they'll turn you inside out one day, and then they'll turn you back outside the other day. And hopefully insurance covers at least 80% of it. But you know what? You become the person that needs that hospital. But I want you to realize that whether you go to that hospital or not, that hospital will still exist. But at that moment in time, you need that hospital. Can I say something that is really intended for a mature Christian? You need this local church, but this local church doesn't need you. And before you get hair-lipped, I'm not trying to anger you this morning. I want you to see that you need this church, but this church doesn't need you. And that is the right and proper attitude of the Christian. Jesus Christ died for the church. He's the head of the spiritual church. And he gave you the distinct privilege of being part of a local assembly. Amen? And I'm seeing here in chapter 4, verse 11, what, regardless of your opinion of what a church is and should do, because remember now, we're almost three generations where we no longer go to church. This is the community now that needs the missionaries. There are now villages in Zambia, villages in Zimbabwe that are more Christian than Tawa City. And if you don't believe that, stop watching the idiot box and you'll quit being one. Amen? Amen. But we now need the missionaries. Why? We've given up on the local church. We've decided to insert Jesus Christ and the local church into our life where we see fit. And because of that, we've hurt now as a gener- several gener- two, minimum two generations of weak, anemic Christians. And how you know that is because our families are no different than lost families. Our children are no different than lost children. The divorce rates are still the same. The broken homes are still the same. Stay with me now. I'm, I'm, just, I'm being honest with you this morning. I'm telling you what Fox News will not tell you because they're not fair and balanced. They're full of baloney. Our children are coming out at the same ratio. Our children now have the same percentage of dependency rates that the lost do. You say, why? Because we've, dis- we've disregarded the local church. You say you're looking for bigger numbers. No, I'm looking for a healthy church. I'm here to say this morning, you need it. And I can already see that I'm not going to get through this. So part two tonight, if you want to be here. Okay? But you need this local church. 
And there's some things as a Christian, if you're going to live a healthy Christian life, you need it. You need this local church. But you can't forget that this church will go on when you don't come. Well, let me tell you right from the scriptures here this morning, the reason, one of the reasons you need this local church is found in verse 12 because there are some things in your life that need perfecting. You see what it says? It says, for the perfecting of the saints. Now look, when you get saved, and I got a real dry mouth this morning, I don't know, hopefully not bad breath either, so forgive me if I carry on my holy water here. But you see there, the reason that the Lord gave gifts to men and those gifts are men, pastors and teachers, is because, I hate to break it to you, you're not there yet. And neither am I. But for whatever reason, God called me to the ministry. He considered me faithful. He put me and my family into the ministry to minister, to serve, to wait tables, to wash and wipe feet, not to be catered to. But he did that because there are some things in your life that need perfecting. It says it right in the text. For the perfecting of the saints. Remember in 1 Thessalonians, if you're coming to Wednesday night or Sunday night, we're going through the book of Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. Paul wanted to come back, 3.10, and in the face, see them in the face, to perfect that which was lacking. Let me tell you what. I'm thankful for live stream and how it ministers to some people that can't come. But I am so fed up with Flakebook right now, I'm about ready to just shut her down. There is so much... Flakebook now wants to make money because they don't think these hymns should be played. So they'll run ads. Now, I'm, I'm done giving them credibility. I'm done even advertising. But I'm so sick and, and tired of this. Look, you need things perfected in your life, and you're going to have to see it in the face. You're not going to be able to stay home and watch that thing. Now, look, there's some people. They're not going to get mad because they get it. They don't have a Bible-even church within a 1,000 miles. I'm not talking about that. You can't stay home and expect God to perfect those things which are lacking when He gave you a pastor and He gave him the ability to preach and teach and to perfect that which was lacking in your life. I'm saying you need the local church because... Because I'm stupid? No, because you're just not there yet. And you know what? You and I are not going to be there till we get home to glory. Look at verse 14. Is it till we all come in the unity of the faith? When is that? We're gone. Let me tell you what. You ain't going to arrive until Gabriel gets on the horn and we're out of here like Superman. So until that, there are things in your life that need perfecting that will only get perfected by placing a large piece of Velcro to this part of your body and sitting down and saying, okay, what you got, preacher? Lord, what do you got for me today? I got to listen to him again. Yes. Okay, thankfully, it's only four times a week. But I'm just saying you need the local church because there's some things that need perfecting. And that perfecting will never take place until the judgment seat of Christ. But I'm glad it'll take place. You need the local church, number one, because there are some things that need perfecting. Can I say this? In verse 12, you need this local church because there's some work that needs to be done. There's some work that needs to be done. You see where it says there, for the work of the ministry? Yeah, preacher. But that's talking about the pastor. That's the pastor, and he's supposed to be cleaning the church. And that pastor is supposed to be 
plowing the snow and cutting the grass. Got you covered. Relax. Don't hemorrhage in your own sleep. It'll be all right. I'm all about work. God made me a mule. I'm sorry. God made me a coaphite. And I'm not sitting here telling you I'm anything special, but I know how God constructed me, and I know now why the Lord gave me the wife that he did. I had no idea. I just thought it because we was in love. So many years ago, and as she was pretty as a picket fence, amen. I mean, she had, she had that smile about her that Webster even couldn't define, amen. But you know why the Lord gave me her? Because that woman's a worker. And he knew, he knew that I was going to get somewhere along this thing and want to just say, you know what? Fooey on it, I'm going fishing. Had it with you bunch of deadhead Baptists, I'm out of here. But he gave me a wife that's a worker. Why? Because he's got some things that y'all need perfected, that I need perfected, and there's some work that needs to be done. Not only work for the preacher, right? Y'all know the job of the preacher, lead and feed. Amen. It's a spiritual rule, Hebrews chapter 13. I don't tell you what to drive. might be a Chevy, though. Anyways, just kidding. Uh, I don't tell you where to go to school. I don't tell you how to think. I tell you where to get your thinking from. Right? That's lead, feed. How about this? But there's some work to be done by the sheep as well. I'm not talking about these great big ministries. See, that's the whole hang-up here. The job of a sheep, first of all, is to what? If my job is to feed then your job is to, you got to eat. Rally's got it down at least. Someone's thinking, you got to eat. The job of a sheep is to show up and dig in. Preacher, if you preach something that I'd like, well, I can't guarantee that. I mean, I've strapped myself into this book that without, beside the divine rabbit trail, you know where I'm going. I mean, really, Numbers chapter 11, verse 1, you read the word complain, you're like, we're done, it's over. You know where I'm going. But there's things that need to be perfected, not only that, but there's some work to be done. You need this local church because there's some things that God wants to get done. Not just the preacher, but the sheep. You know, the job of the sheep is to eat. How about this? Grow. There's a lot of Christian there. I call them anorexic sheep. They gobble it up, hit the parking lot, and throw it up. You say, why? I don't know nothing with it. The job of the sheep there is, uh, how about this? This is real profound. Produce other sheep. (laughs) I know, that was a bad one. Sorry. Look, I understand as a preacher, forgive my terrible sense of humor, as a preacher, I'm supposed to do the, that makes me feel good, brother. Because no one else laughed like you did, amen. The job of a preacher is to do the work of an evangelist, right? Amen. Y'all do read your Bible, right? But the job of sheep is to produce other sheep. Well, I don't know how we'll have more people going here. I don't know. Have any sheep lately? You say, well, preacher, how you have sheep? You tell me you don't have sheep have sheep? You get intimate with the Lamb of God. We okay? It's G-rated. We're good. And I understand all of Christianity is not intimacy with the Lord. Right? But every now and then, maybe. It's just like when you get married. You're not like, you know, having 50 kids. Unless you got a TV series. Right? 
A lot of your marriage is what? Getting up, going to work, paying bills, putting up with terrible attitudes, having no one appreciate you. But every now and then it's good to get away, ain't it? Are we on the same wavelength this morning? I'm saying you need this church because there's some things that you need perfected in your life. And there's some work that God wants to get done through you. And you're not going to go out here on your own and do it. Because if it's not connected to the local church, it ain't right. You say, you just say that because you're a pastor. No, I say that because I'm a Bible believer. The vehicle which God uses is the local church. And you need this local church. You say, are you getting honest or convincing? Maybe a little bit of both. I mean, if you need someone to get on you, then apply it. If not, just say amen. That's real good, man. Well, there's work that needs to be done. How about this? In verse 12, the reason you need this local church is because you need building up. You need building up. He says there was a verse 14, for the, for the edifying of the body. That word edif edifice, that is a building, right? Notice how he, 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 he compares your growth as a Christian to building something. A building. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. Ye are God's building, right? What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, right? You're God's building. And so you know what? You need this local church because God's going to use it to build you up. And when you lay out a church, trust me, there's more points. I'll get off this in a minute. But just go ahead and feel uncomfortable because you need it. But you need to be built up. You're God's building. Now, how is that building done? Well, first of all, it's done, as you see here, through God's pastors and teachers, and that's through preaching and teaching the Word of God. You are not built through ministry. You are not built through service. The Bible clearly shows you that when you serve, you get wore out. Right, Martha? <laughs> She's in there making the biscuits and the tater salad and all the rest, and all she is is upset that Mary's not helping her. You're not built through service. You're built through what? Preaching and teaching. That's what grows a Christian. And you know what? You as an individual away from the local church normally will not submit yourself to preaching outside the church. Now, there might be the occasional one-off or two-off, so you're not the exception that proves the rule. But you need this local church because you need to be built up. That interesting thing about preaching, notice this in 1 Corinthians chapter 121, it's preaching that God uses to get you saved. The foolishness of preaching is what God chose to save them that would believe. If you're here today and you're saved, it's because someone preached the gospel to you. It's, you. No one in here got saved because someone got up and said, This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Some preacher somewhere told you that if you didn't get saved, you're going to burn in hell forever. And that shook you to your very core, whether you understood hell or however they pronounce it or however you say it or wherever it's found, you're like, i got to do something about it because I'm going to hell. And someone had enough guts to preach to you. That's why you need this church. It's preaching that gets you saved, but yet in Titus chapter 1, verse 3, I want you to see it's preaching that God chooses now to reveal His Word. The Bible says in Titus chapter 1, verse 3, I know most of you know this, so divine review, right? Just 
you know, if this is like old hat, just take a nap and, you know, you can wake each other up on the invitation here. But in Titus 1.3, the Bible says that God has manifested His Word in these last times through preaching. You know what that tells me as a preacher? There are things that God wants you to get that you will only get here. Now, nah, preacher, we're good, you know, I don't want to get the crud. Okay, help yourself, but you know what? You're not going to get it at home. I didn't say you couldn't stand life support at home. I didn't say you couldn't get a blessing from the, the one-eyed monster staring at all the back of your heads and the ugly front of mine. But through preaching is how God manifests his word in these last days. You've got to get a hold of that, Christian. God chooses preaching to save them that would believe. God chooses to reveal his word in these last days through preaching. And not only that, but in Romans chapter 16, I want to give you this third one here. In Romans chapter 16 and verse... 25, God chose preaching to establish you and give you power as a Christian. God chooses preaching to establish you and give you power as a Christian. You know why Christians are powerless and they're spitting all over the place and sputtering and all out of control? We doing all right this morning? Okay. <laughs> Your story, right? You tell however you want. God chooses preaching to establish people. Why is it Christians will be Christians for 20, 30 years and never get established? They won't get under preaching. You say you think you got the answer? Absolutely not. But the Lord does. And he chose the local church to establish you. He chose that local church, that local church of 30 to 40 people and the preaching that comes from behind the pulpit to perfect you, to build you, and to grow you. That's what he chose. You say, you mean he didn't, he didn't choose the mega media? No, he didn't. I used to stop and think about, by, by consequence, I have to review some of my messages sometimes that I preach. And I'll agree with you. I can't stand my preaching either. So I do feel for you. I, I, I sympathize. I hear my voice. I'm like, ooh. ooh. You, ever, you ever listen to your voice on a tape recorder back in the day, and you're like, who is that weirdo? My wife goes, it's you, weirdo. I don't like listening to me either, but that's not the point. God chose that thing. God chose the foolishness of preaching. You see that? He chose that. And you need this local church because there's things in your life that need perfecting. There's things that need to be done. There's work that need to be done. And because you need to be built, built up. And you know what? The pastor, he does that building through preaching and teaching. But you know what? You do some of the building too. Jude chapter 1, there's only one uh, chapter in the book of Jude, verse 20, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Amen? Now listen, if you try to live on just what I give you, I'm just going to be sweet with you, you'll starve to death spiritually. What happens is, as you go home, God speaks to you through the preacher, you go home and you feed yourself every day. Amen? And you continue to build. And then you go back, right? For the for the D9, the CAT D9, or whatever it is, or the, the big heavy operator. Or God's trying to get some things stumped, right? Some things rooted, some things fruited. And he wants to do something in your life, but he, but he can't. Because all you want to do is live on what you get on a Sunday morning. You know, I'm, let me tell you, what, if all you do is try to live off Sunday morning, y'all going to be the most babyest Christians I ever met in my life. You say, well, that's your fault. You're, no, listen. You can only get so much in an hour. 
That's all you can get. I'm saying you need more than one hour preaching. You need, at minimum, to stay on life support, if you're honest, four. And then on top of that, you need to feed yourself every day and grow your own relationship with Jesus Christ. What happens is we have people in church, well, you know, I just don't, I don't need all that preaching right there because it's just, I'm just really not interested. You're not interested in it? I just got more important things to do. Okay, Gomer Pie, help yourself. But you need it, man. You really do. And the fact that you don't think you do just means you're deceived. Why? You need this local church. I think I made my point this morning. So the preaching, he does a good portion of the building for you, and then you go home and you work on it the rest yourself. But here, look, you need some perfecting. There's work to be done. You need to be built up. And the Lord designs you to be here when the doors are open. Now, if you can't, don't come scream in my face. I get it. I still work a real job besides preaching. That's like a hobby. Woodcutting is a hobby. This is my calling. But for many, many years, I couldn't get the midweek service. And man, did I have some of the brethren breathing down my throat. Yeah, you should be at the midweek. I'm going, I'm working 60 hours a week. I'm halfway between here and Bay County. In the middle. How am I going to park the old ice cream wagon and come to church, you idiot? <laughs> they didn't understand it. I understand that. I'm not talking about the one-off where you can't get off work. But let me tell you, every situation I've ever been in, the Lord's dealt with me. The Lord's built me through preaching. The Lord's grown me and given me an opportunity where I could get out of that eventually. I had to put my time in. I had to put my foot down. But with the help of the preaching, God helped me to get to more services. And He helped me grow. So the preacher does some of that growing. You do some of that growing. But you know what? you got to make the choice. So now as much as I've been trying to prove my point from the Scriptures, which I know I've done, now I back off the thing. And I say... Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Back in the 1700s, it was uh, King Louis Fourteenth of France. He went to church, believe it or not. Most kings went to church. And uh, what was this preacher's name? Uh, I got it in the notes here because I knew I wouldn't remember it. Francois Fenelon. Now you know why I didn't remember it. This old preacher Francois here, he secretly told everyone in the kingdom that the king wasn't going to come to church. And so that Sunday, guess who came to church? Only the king. And the king's attendants. So history says, history says, I wasn't there of course. <laughs> history says that it irritated and angered King Louis. He says, what is the meaning of this? What does that mean? You know, how are you says in France? They're French there, you know. Wee oui, wee oui, or something like that. And that old preacher, Francois, he says, I better read it. I'm going to mess it up. I want you to miss this. He says, I had published that you would not come to church today in order that your majesty might see who serves God in truth and who flatters the king. Look, by all means, go to church for the right reason. But never forget that you need this local church. But you have to be fully persuaded in your own mind. I could preach church attendance every week, couldn't I? And irritate the fire. And a couple of you would be like, oh, let's go. Because 
I'm just sick and tired of hearing him take on the church. And so then you're kind of like, oh, it's like, oh, be here. And people are like, oh, look, they're coming to church. And you don't even want to be here. You've got to be fully persuaded in your own mind. But you can never forget, as a Christian, you need this local church. Not only that, number one, you need this local church, but number two, you need each other. You need each other. Look at verse 13. Paul says, till we all come in the unity of the faith. I believe everyone here is saved today, and I trust and hope they are. If not, you can get that settled today. You can get settled right now. But let me say this. You need each other. That's another thing we struggle with. We struggle with our need of the church. We often treat the church like a buffet. I'm going to swing in and... I'm going to go over, and I don't like salad. I really don't. You know that if you know me well. And I'm going over, oh, and there's the Italian sausage, and ooh, and there's the hot wings. Oh, and there's the, ooh, pork cutlets. And then we sit down, burp a little bit, and we go home. Well, I had enough for that week. We're like that with the brethren. Because it's difficult to get along with them many times, and it causes us to look at our own self we're kind of expensive with one another. If we don't click, you know, let me tell you what, no one clicks with me. I'm just weird. Thank you. I have one, one believer. <laughs> but not, look, your wife doesn't even click with you. Your husband doesn't even click with you. Why do you expect the brethren to click with you? I mean, we, we're all 3D prospects, right? When the Lord found us, we were in debt, we were discontented, and we were depressed. So why do you expect everyone to click with you? You are a soup sandwich on many days, right? So what are you saying? You need the brethren. You need the brethren. I'm going I'm to narrow it down. You need the brethren of this local church. You need one another. Well, no, I don't, because I'm... I'm independent. We're so, we're so independent, we're independent of our independence. You're not independent. You need each other. I'm going to preach it in a minute. I'm just trying to get that in your skull this morning. We have lived our life so long outside of the local church. We lived our long uh, solely dependent on ourselves that we no longer need the church and we no longer need the brethren. I'm just going to do whatever I jolly well please. Okay, look, remember, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. But at what point in your Christian life do you go, I need the church house. I need the brethren. I need the brethren. Even that weird one. And even sister, yeah, her. I can smell her perfume four rows back. Just kidding, that doesn't happen here. Hope not. You need this local church and you need each other. You say, why? You need each other to serve the Lord. We're doing all right this morning. A little funny, a little sugar helps the medicine go down, right? In the most delightful way, right? But here's the thing. Why is there not more in our Bible-believing circles? You, you realize every Paul had a Silas. Yeah, that too, that's next. It's Paul and Silas, or Priscilla and 
Aquila. Or how about this, Paul and Barnabas, right? And then Paul and Timothy. And then Paul and Titus. You see what I mean? You need the brethren. The Lord told us to go two by two. Well, it's just me and me and the old battle axe. Oh, okay, fine. It's your wife. I get it. I understand. You know, okay, you two and no more. Priscilla and Okay, fine. But you need the brethren. Why? So you can serve the Lord better. Not only that, but you need the brethren because the Lord gave you them to fellowship with because of Christ. Let me ask you this question. Do you enjoy fellowship more at the local church, the few moments that you have before or after service or eating donuts or chunking pumpkins? Or do you more enjoy your fellowship with your lost neighbor? See what I mean? And if you can honestly say, well, you know, I really enjoy, I really enjoy fellowship with my lost neighbor, there's something wrong with you. Amen. You don't appreciate what God's given you. You need the brethren. Why? Well, they'll help you serve the Lord. They'll help you fellowship with one another. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another. See that? 1 Thessalonians 3, 12. We're going through it in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Your love is supposed to increase toward the brethren. But preacher, they're nuts. Yes! But you're both screwed on the right bolt. Look at yourself. You are crazy. But your God's crazy. And the only thing that makes us special is who we are in Jesus Christ. That's it. And everyone has unique characteristics and unique abilities. And you know what? David said, I will praise the Lord for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And yes, when you get saved, the Lord gives you something to do. But you need each other to serve the Lord better with. You need each other so you can have fellowship with. And not all that, but do you know why you need each other? You need each other for support. Not monetary support, but support. Oh, no, preacher, we're supposed to trust in the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind. Okay, well, then what about Ecclesiastes? Was it four? Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9. We often use this in marriage. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Just a practical verse out of the Old Testament. You need each other. Why? Because there's going to be a day that you're at an all-time low, and you're going to need your brother. And if you're nothing more than a conceited pinhead, and you've got to tell everyone straight, it's always got to be your way, there ain't going to be no one to help you out. And at that point in time, you'll be so proud. You'll be too proud to come back to the doors of that church house. You need each other. You need each other. You can't live independent of the brethren. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, that there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Of course, we understand it's a reference to Jesus Christ. But God's people are the best people of the entire world. They are. We have our nuts. We have our screwballs. We have all that stuff. But you all are the best people in the world. And even greater yet, I get to spend all of eternity with you all. Shame on you for having to be with me. Amen. <laughs> what a blessing. You say, you really, I mean that. I mean that. 
You need each other. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. We're all getting there if we're saved. You see that? Why not utilize each other? I can't do the things that Brother Larry does, and he doesn't mind me saying this. Brother Larry's a great friend. If I need him, I call him. Y'all are great friends. If I need you, I call you. I can't do everything y'all do. You say, is that just a, a physical need? No. It could be a spiritual thing, too. You call your brother, look, really need prayer. You don't need to give them all the details. They got enough going on, right? Pray. Will you pray for me? I'm struggling. With what? None of your business. Just shut and pray. Amen. Okay, all right. <laughs> pray for each other. You need each other. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. We underestimate our brethren. We look at them because we think maybe we're spiritually superior. We don't give them the time of day. Or maybe we think because we know more than they do. Well, it don't take much more to know more than I do. But I just appreciate y'all talking to me, amen? You say, you're being funny. No, I'm being serious. You're talking to a preacher who got 16 on his SA or AC, whatever it is. I can't even spell it. What do they, what do they give in Michigan? Thank you. See, she's smarter than me. I bet you got more than 16. You say, why did God call you to preach? Foolishness of preaching. You need this local church, number one, and you need the brethren, number two. I'm going to have to stop there this morning. It's quarter after. We're only halfway in. There's some things that you need in this Christian life. And you need things that you can only get here. And I hope this helps this morning. I hope it gets the wheels turning. I hope it gets you thinking. Just as if you were to go and uh, apply for a job in town somewhere, you would have a list of things, requirements, that you would need to start that employment. And let me tell you what, you don't need anything to get saved, but once you get saved, it's going to take the rest of your life serving the Lord. I've ever had bow every eye closed this morning. We just hit the tip of the iceberg this morning and I've gone long. I want you to realize, Christian, that there are some things that you need. And I think the first two we hit on this morning are things that we often overlook. Let's have a word of prayer and Ms. Kern's going to play. Father, we love you. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you, Lord, for showing us just a couple things this morning that we need. Father, I pray that you'd open our eyes, that we could see the things in our own lives that we need. And Lord, I pray that you'd change us, challenge us, and charge us. In your name we pray. Amen. Now she's going to play here just a minute, and we'll give you just a minute to think about what's been preached this morning.